there's two things I want to say before we begin. One is I think I'm going to take those ladies over there to the meeting of the, of the men so that they laugh. <laughs> Just to make the joke in there. Because in Mexico, they have something you call paleros. It's like you hire a guy to make the show. For, that you're making the show, but the guy in the back is supposed to be like laughing or, you know. So when you're making a magic trick, the palero is the one that goes like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And you know, he's, he's there to help you with the, with the resources. Um, one thing I would like to mention also is two things about the prayers. One is, why do we pray to the Holy Ghost? Remember that the Holy Ghost is the one that gives us strength. It gives us virtue. That um, I never really understood the gifts of the Holy Ghost and the importance of devotion to the Holy Ghost until close to the priesthood. Because when you start facing very difficult decisions, very difficult uh, you know, situations where you really need to know what is the right thing to do, that's when the Holy Ghost is there for you. That, that, that is the role of the Holy Ghost. That's why it is said that the bishops have it especially, because the bishops, of all people, bishops and popes, have the most difficult decisions in their hands. And so that's why the Holy Ghost is especially there for them. And that's actually what, what the mitre represents. It represents the, the tongues of fire. So for you as a mother, or, or you know, if you have those, those situations as well, you also have difficulties. You have uh, difficult decisions to make. You need strength, a lot of strength at certain times. And that's why you pray to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one that gives you strength. And so at those times, for example, when you find yourself having to deal with a teenager, you know, and, and having to get into that room where you're hearing ah, all those things, it's like before you go there, pray to the Holy Ghost, get that fire on you, and then you can go in there and the Holy Ghost will inspire you. I could tell you so many stories about my mother uh, just being absolutely inspired by God to deal with me. I mean, with my brothers. <laughs> <coughs> So that's the way to the Holy Ghost at the beginning. And the other thing that I would like to remind you, you know this, but I would like to remind it of you, is that we're praying for every children. We're praying for all the mothers, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. We're all joined together. And just a reminder for all those ladies that are watching and are not here. Just kidding. <laughs> Most of them are probably not in this parish. Uh, you say the prayers. Say the prayers too, especially the daily prayers, because you're praying for the other mothers, and also they are praying for you. Today I have a very interesting topic. Uh, I should have announced it before. Yes. No, it is. It, it's, it's, it's on the other side. I'm seeing myself now. I'm, I don't trust the camera, so now it's like I'm watching you. <laughs> um, I want to speak today about fun, about having recreation. Uh, it's a very interesting topic. It's not something you hear often. And it's actually a very religious topic, contrary to what we might think. Um, in the Carmelites, you raise your hands and tell me, well, raise your hands if you're brave enough to tell me. What is the concept that you have of the child's Carmelites? Like if, if someone goes there, what would you think? This kind of order is very what? You can tell me that while I drink coffee. <laughs> A lot of mortification, right? You would think that they're like gloomy and things like that. Um, Saint Teresa, the founder of the, the Child's Carmelite, uh, the reformer, you could say, was very, very intense in saying, you have to be happy, you have to be cheerful. 
And there is one hour a day for women, for men is one hour a week, because we're more boring, um, where you have to get together and the rule basically says you have to have fun. Like, I don't care if you feel sad, you have to have fun that time. And if you're feeling like trash, doesn't matter, you gotta come and smile and make people happy. And I remember doing that, sometimes I would be doing the recreation and I, before the recreation, I would be like, oh, I don't want to go right now. I don't feel good right now. I just can't smile. You go there and you're <laughs> But she would say, you have to think of how to make happy other people, like how to make jokes and how to make them smile and everything. I was a little bit too far off on that end. But there was this story that it always called my attention. One time they were going to do recreation and uh, one of the sisters said, shouldn't we be praying at the chapel? St. Teresa, I don't know if you know anything about her, but St. Teresa was fiery. Like she was a woman of fire. You did not mess with her. Uh, and so when this woman, this nun tell her that, tells her that, she's a founder, she, she says to her, I'll tell you what, you go and pray in the chapel while we have fun with the good Jesus over here. And she sent her to pray. Uh, pray, quote unquote, the poor woman probably was tortured all the time. Um, so the point here is this, uh, let's begin by this. We, being traditional Catholics especially, might have an idea of religion as something gloomy, restrictive, you know, a lot of rules or a lot of commandments or things like that. Especially young people have this notion. And it's actually not, not at all. Our religion, as I say often, is cheerful, is something that leads us to happiness. Not only that, Happiness is an actual virtue. If we are sad, we are doing something wrong. I'll make a, a, a caveat here, as I always do. There is good sadness, obviously. There is the sadness for our sins. There is the sadness for, you know, grieving for someone, whatever. But that sadness has a place and a time. Most of the times we have to be cheerful. Who, can, who knows which one is the shortest verse in the Bible? No, actually, there's, there's another one. Because I think that's and Jesus with that. Well, yes, uh, the, well, the one that I know, at least, I might, is rejoice always. It's just those two words, rejoice always. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. Obviously, we can't complain of its uh, content. So what I want to talk to you today is about that, about joy and happiness. But let's distinguish. I don't have a board, so imagine it here, the letters. Uh, we have to distinguish between three things that we kind of mix sometimes. One is happiness, another one is going to be satisfaction, and the other one is rejoicing or joy. Happiness, the first one, we cannot find it in this life, because happiness, if it's real happiness, is what we call beatitude, is blessedness. Is happiness has to be entire and full, and that only happens in heaven. Because happiness means that you are in possession of all goods, that you, are, uh, you cannot die, you cannot be sick, you cannot suffer any fall or any, any fall loss. It means that that possession of good is stable forever, that you will never lose it. Obviously, when you think of all these things, that's impossible in this life. So happiness, strictly speaking, as with the real term of the word, Happiness can only be found in heaven. Now that's something that should, be cheer, should cheer us up because it's something that is attainable. 
that we can have it, but we have to wait until we get to heaven. Usually when we speak of happiness here on this world, we mean to say a form of joy, but not real happiness. The other thing that we usually call happiness or joy is actually satisfaction. And what is the difference? You have happiness, I already talked about. What is the difference between satisfaction and joy? Again, picture the words in here. Satisfaction is the effect of something, meaning it's happiness that you receive as an effect of something else. For example, let's say uh, your child was born, you receive a satisfaction of that. The happiness that you have is an effect of something that happened. Or, you know, my son got ordained. Well, you receive happiness of that, but I call it, I'm calling it here today a satisfaction. You receive that as an effect of what happened. The reason why this is not my focus today is because, as you can, say, as you can see, this doesn't depend on you. You need that to happen in order to, be, to have that happiness. And that is one of the main errors that you find today in, you, in young people. That they say, you know, you talk to young people and they say, like, I have no reason to be happy. In other words, there are no things that are satisfying me. You know, I don't have those things that happen that cause my happiness. And so that is really of no use to us. The one that I want to focus on is what you call joy. And I would call that, in a certain way, a voluntary happiness. Meaning you decide to feel like that, you decide to take pleasure in things, which is some, that is where it comes to virtue. And that is the real path to happiness here on this earth. Because if, you, if, if your happiness depends on what happens, well, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've tried it. <laughs> something good is going to happen, something bad is going to happen. We live in a veil of tears. That's what we call it. You're never going to get it. Happiness cannot depend on the externals. It cannot depend on what's happening around you, not even in, in people around you. It has to depend all interiorly. And that is the kind of happiness that the saints had, and is the kind of happiness that religious are commanded to have. I'll tell you another story, St. Francis. St. Francis, most of the saints were very fiery people, I would say, at least the ones that are popular, maybe that's why. St. Francis was very, very fiery. Uh, people usually, you know, you see the pictures of St. Francis and they put him like with the, you know, like there's this one that they sell in Gherkins where he's like this and the birds and all that stuff. He was very, very strong. Tell you two stories just for the sake of it. Not related to the topic at all, but there was one that I love when he, he went to the Crusades. Okay, I'll tell you more stories now. He went, <laughs> he went to the Crusades to try to convert the Sultan. He went like for the top. He wasn't going to convert someone else. He was like, I'm going to go for the Sultan. And they say that he went there to get to the Sultan. He got beat up like three times. But they finally took him to the Sultan. And one of the many times that he presented to the Sultan, he said to him, you can, only do, you can only do this inspired by the Holy Ghost. He says to him, start a fire right now here and bring your Muslim priests and myself and we'll go into the fire. And whoever lives, that's the true religion. And the Sultan is like, I like that idea. The Muslim priests started walking out of the room. They actually say that in the book. They, they just went out of the room and disappeared. When he came back, one of the monks, of the Franciscan monks, had gotten a house from the government, from the, 
I don't know, municipality, I guess it was. And that was forbidden. St. Francis, in his rule, had we have to live in places made with sticks and, and rocks, you know, nothing, no houses. So he gets back from the Crusades, you can imagine, and he sees this house where the brothers are living. He didn't go to talk to the major. He, got, he gets up the house to the roof and starts throwing the tiles of the roof out, destroying the house with his bare hands. That's how fiery he was. I love him. Anyways, uh, <laughs> there was this story where he, one time he saw a brother that was sad or was gloomy. You know, he was like angry and things like that. And he, he very strongly said to him in front of everybody, leave the sadness for your sins, for you and God, and in front of all the brothers, you are happy. So smile. <laughs> he had to smile. The, we were talking the last time about depression a little bit, and, and this is not about depression. I'm not talking about depression in this one. We may, may make one about that. But uh, this is, as I, say, as I was saying, the, the way out of, the, of it. Now, let's talk about that voluntary happiness. Before I go into that, the base, the foundation for that voluntary happiness has to be the state of grace. That's kind of obvious. You do need to have a real reason for happiness, and, and, and the real reason that we can always have is the state of grace. If we're not in the state of grace, there's just no foundation for it. And not only that, the devil will have room to mess with your mind and with your spirit. So far, any questions? No? Okay, let me make a parenthesis here when I, I just said that. Because this is something that a lot of people don't know. When we are in the state of mortal sin, what we just did is allow the devil into my house. So he will cause damage. And that's something that a lot of times we kind of forget. Uh, if a person is in, and I, I say mortal sin. If a person is in the state of mortal sin, the devil is a cruel animal. He's, he's a fire, uh, how do you say that? Uh, a beast. He's cruel. And so he will try to go and destroy the person as much as he can by depression in their mind, by causing evil feelings, all those kind of things. And so when we're in that state, we want to get out of it as soon as possible because he will continue to cause harm. Some people think, well, I committed a sin here and well, I'm gonna go to confession on Sunday and I'm just gonna you know, pass it on through there. And when you're doing that, you're basically, is, which one of you would bring a snake into your room and say, well, I'll call Saturday to get rid of it. You know, it's like, I'll just walk carefully when I go to the bathroom. <laughs> get rid of it as soon as possible. The devil is cruel and, and he does that. And so as soon as you want, you want to get in state of grace. What if you can make it to confession? For example, some people might be watching that don't have access to the priest. That's why it's so important to make perfect acts of, of contrition. You know, as soon as you fall, immediately make perfect act of contrition as soon as possible. And there is a chance, a good chance that, that you did it well and you gain the state of grace with the condition that you will go to confession. And that's very, very important. That way, it's like the devil bid you, okay, you take out the snake and throw it out the window, and yeah, you're, you guys still gotta go to the doctor, but at least there's no snakes in my room now. So that's what we wanna do. Now, let's go to the joy part. This voluntary joy that I'm talking about is gonna have two parts. One is the voluntary removal of negative thoughts and feelings, and the other one is an endeavor to make others feel happy. 
I'll repeat those ones. The first one is to, to remove negative thoughts and feelings. And the other one is an endeavor to make others feel happy. That's very interesting, but let me go through that really quickly. I've talked about this before. You know, it's one of the things that I'll repeat a lot, and you guys will hear me repeat it myself a lot. Um, I've said before in the other classes how you might get thoughts against, you know, the husband or against the children or against my situation, against my house. You know, there are all kinds of things. This happens, actually, where people are unhappy with their house or with their car or with their job and all those things. And those thoughts are always there. And those thoughts that you have in there, imagine that you have those big balls of steel and you're just trying to drag yourself ahead. You're never going to make it. So the first thing to do this voluntarily is to remove those thoughts, to be selective, as I've mentioned before. When the thought comes to your head or the feeling comes to your head, as soon as, soon as you identify it, you say, is this useful for me? Is this something that I want? Is this something that I can use? No, throw it out. A lot of times people say, but it's true. I don't care if it's true. That's not the question. The question is, is it useful for you, right? You know, I might look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm ugly. Is that useful for me? No, then I'll forget about it. <laughs> you know, I just say, well, I, I'm very, you know, conversational, whatever you want. But those thoughts are not useful. They can come from temptations, as I've mentioned before. They can come from our nature. But that habit of selecting our thoughts is the first step to happiness. And if you master it, it takes a while. But if you master it, you can pass that on to your children. And that is huge. It's immense. I can tell you how much of a difference it makes. And I would say, throwing a statistics out there, I would say that in a 1,000 people, Maybe two have this, this power and habit. Most people haven't, haven't even heard of it. And so that is number one. Mm -hmm. The number two I was saying is to endeavor to, for myself, to feel happy, to feel devoted, and, and to make that onto others. It, it really helps sometimes. You might not feel those emotions. But if you endeavor to have other people around you feel them, that comes back to you in a very, very weird way. That's what happens with the Carmelites. The Carmelites, we would go to recreation, and I'm telling you, sometimes this is, you know, sharing personal stuff. Sometimes I would feel very, very miserable, you know, for whatever reason. And I would say, well, the rule says I have to be happy, and I would be making jokes and things like that, and the guys are laughing and laughing and laughing. By the end of the hour, it was just one hour, by the end of the hour, I'm at peace, I'm, I'm feeling happy, because it, it actually, bounces back. It's actually the effect of charity. And so, for example, as a mother, or even just a person, you know, if you have your family or whatever, there are times when you might feel very miserable, but if you say, you know what, I'm going to make them feel happy and I'm going to make them feel okay, that's going to come back to you. And that, that's, that's going to be able to overpower your feelings. I want to give you a few examples of this. So, any questions so far? No? Okay. This is the, 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 the topic that you've been more, most serious in. <laughs> Let me get some coffee. Maybe that's what's missing. Uh, this is an example from my family. Uh, my dad, my dad lived a very difficult life. Uh, just to give you a few, 
he was very, very poor when they were growing up. It was like 11 children in a house that was halfway of this room. That was the size of the, of the house. The floor, part of the floor was dirt, and one of the walls was made of dirt. I saw that house when I was growing up. And uh, when he was 11 years old, he would go into bars to, say, to sell tacos. That's how the family was supporting themselves. So all the children would go out to sell tacos, and they would go to any kinds of places, some, some really bad places sometimes. And he grew up in poverty and all those things. And I think that helped him master his feelings a lot. He would tell me that, you know, when he was older, he, he's lost most of his siblings now. And there were times where he said he would be working at the office and he would get really depressed. And he would say to himself, okay, close the door. I'm gonna take five minutes to be as depressed as I want. And start counting and cry out, you know, do whatever and depress himself and bring himself all the way to the ground. Look, okay. It's gone, it's gone. I've done it, I did, I did my part, I, I gave it the time that it needed because we do have to be sad sometimes. And that's it, and he'd be happy. And you see my dad, for example, I, I see my dad now, and, and I'm amazed at the control that he has of his emotions and his feelings. He's like, I never see him bummed. There's another guy that I <clears throat> met recently. He was baptized like maybe four or five months ago. He can't come to mass because he has lung cancer. And uh, he was a fireman. <clears throat> the guy was probably as this big. Like he was huge. One time he got lost in Disneyland. And the way, the way his wife uh, had the guards search for him, they, she said to them, tell them to look for a guy that it looks like his head is too small for his body. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, I don't know if we're gonna find him like that. <laughs> and lo and behold, somewhere through the day, they said like, yeah, there's a guy that his head is way too small for his body. <laughs> and they brought him back. Right now you, you see him and he has lost a lot of his muscular mass and he can't do much because of his sickness. But every time that I talk to him, I've never ever heard him victimize himself or complain nothing. It's always like, I'm so blessed and you know, I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna get healed and it's always positive, positive, positive thinking. And so you see those examples. Um, <clears throat> I'll touch on this later on. But you know, there's, there's something that St. Ignatius used to say, as another example. He would say, agere contra, do the opposite. So that would be for any temptation. You know, if you're feeling angry, do the opposite. If you're feeling envious, do the opposite, and so forth. For sadness, it's exactly the same. If you're feeling sad, and you're feeling depressed, and you're feeling frustrated or whatever, the worst thing you can do is say, well, I'm going to go and sit down in my room and be in the darkness, in the quiet there over there, and just start crying and thinking to myself, I'm the worst person in the world. Worst thing you can do. What you do is, I'm feeling horrible. I'm going to go and dance in my room or, or sing in my room or, or, I don't know, do something that is the opposite of what you feel like doing, perhaps. Take a hike or, you know, go to the gym or whatever. Um, I was going to say something, but no, I'll, I won't say it. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> well, now I have to say it. <laughs> no, I won't say it. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> uh, especially because it's on video. So, I was saying that happiness is a virtue. Where does it land, this virtue of happiness? Because, you know, in the catechism, you don't see it, right? I mean, I don't think anyone has read the catechism and seen, like, happiness is one of the cardinal virtues. 
but it actually lands in one of those. I would put it first in charity. Because when you force yourself to be happy, when you force yourself to be cheerful, the first reason that you have for that is that you want to serve God. And that's why St. Teresa and the religious would say that. You have to be cheerful in order to serve God well. Um, there is a sound, well, I'll, I'll end with that, but that's number one. It's also charity to yourself, obviously, because you want to be good. You have to love yourself. That's part of the commandment as well. And so in order for you to be healthy, to be okay, to, to live your life peacefully, you have to be cheerful. And it's also charity to others because you don't want to be an ogre in your house, right? And, and I say this, and okay, I, I'll say this one. I, some of these talks are also for myself. You know, it's very easy, for example, to be happy and cheerful when you're by yourself in the building. But when you have six or seven seminarians around, you know, things can happen and you can be like, <laughs> you know, I've, I've had a couple, couple times where I was like, I shouldn't have been uh, like that. Just recently, I had actually, we had five seminarians, and I think one of them. <laughs> I'll just say that yeah. there's a problem with the bathroom downstairs. <laughs> and they all left today, so I'll have to take care of that. But uh, you don't want to be an ogre, so it's charity to others as well. Here's inter an inter interesting part. It lands also in two of the cardinal virtues, in fortitude and temperance. It lands in fortitude because it takes strength to make that decision to renounce your thoughts and your passions. Because they're pleasant, to be honest, and I was talking to someone about this recently, to give in to the sadness and to the thoughts of anger and to all those things is something that is pleasant, is satisfactory for you. Because it kind of gives you the, the, the right it's like saying, yes, I was right about this. So it's pleasant. And it takes sacrifice to say, no, 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 stop crying. <laughs> it takes strength. So it's, it lands right there on the virtue of fortitude. And I also say that it lands in the virtue of temperance. Because as you practice this, you will see that you need to moderate yourself. You need to moderate yourself in not being sad but also in not being imprudently or, or worldly cheerful or happy, if that makes sense. We should be happy, but not give ourselves into bad things about happiness. Does that all make sense? Yes, any questions so far? No? OK, let's talk into the practical stuff. <clears throat> How does this relate to you as women or housewives or or in whatever role you might be. If you think about it, every place has an ambience to it. Every house that you go to has a certain ambience to it. Like as soon as you enter the house, you feel they call the energy. And there's something to that. I won't say energy, but there's something to the fact that there is what the young people call a vibe. You know, you have a really good vibe, they say. And that ambience is actually a human thing. You know, the house has nothing to it. But when you get into the house the, or the church or wherever you are, the classroom, the ambience that you get is the one that is given by the human beings that are in there. Who give it that ambience? Who, who give those? Is ambience the proper word? Yeah, OK. Who gives that ambience? Well, it's going to be two people or two kinds of people. 
the leaders, to the people that are you know in charge of the thing, or the most prominent, the most powerful personalities. So for example, if you're in a room in a party and there is a powerful personality that is aggressive, the whole ambience of the party is gonna be that. You know, he's gonna keep leading the conversation to that and he's gonna hold it like that. If you have a personality that is uh, very funny, well, the whole party is gonna be like that. You know, the whole reunion is gonna be always circling around this guy. I remember I had this uncle in my mother's house. You would literally see the whole family sitting in a circle and this guy in the middle telling jokes. Randomly, I mean, it wasn't like nobody planned it. It's just people would start sitting in circles and this guy would start telling jokes and it would just go forever. What I'm going at with, what I'm going at with this is that you, the woman of the house, usually are the heart of the house and you are the one that sets the ambience a lot of times. This can vary, as I say, if there is a person that is, has a more powerful personality, they might overshadow your influence. But even in that case, most of the times it's you and your children in the house. And it's all gonna depend on the ambience that you create. And that's why this is so important for you. Because of that, you can actually set the mood in your house. So you can, you can cause your children to be happy or to be angry or to be having anything like that. I, I experienced this very interestingly in the border house, because as I've mentioned before, there was the priest that was more severe, you know, more, more disciplinary, who is, he was the most necessary one, obviously. And, and it was me that was the funny guy. And you could see the voice change immediately. I mean, they would change immediately. As, as soon as, as I would enter the room, they would get all funny and cheerful, but then they wouldn't do anything that I told them to do. <laughs> and as soon as he entered, it was like, the laughs just stop and everything, and then they would do whatever he told them to do. So it was a good balance. That depends on you. A lot of times it depends on you. And so it, it, it's, it's a great thing that you can do for your family. While I'm here, I do want to speak of something that I've mentioned before as well, the temperaments. Raise your hands if you're familiar with temperaments, with the four temperaments. Okay. We'll need to have a, a I talk about that, but it's, I think you're all good. One needs to know your limitations in your temperaments. For example, uh, I'm melancholic. Really. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if I am left with the seminarians in a room, I'll bring them down. That is true, I'll bring them down because I, I tend more to be in serious and, and down and, and introverted, in, in introverted. I know that limitation, and that's why I know if I want to have them have a good time, I have to just like step out a bit and let them be happy and, and cheerful and just kind of like follow their lead in that sense. In your house, you might find that. You might find, for example, I'm melancholic and maybe my husband is the cheerful one. Then I kind of have to procure to, to get him to start the party so that it goes on. Now, don't get me wrong, you can work that out because, for example, I was a melancholic, I'm working in the opposite way to be more cheerful, to be more like that, and I force myself to do it. But if you know your limitations, that's very useful because then it might happen, for example, that you say, I'm gonna bring all my children and I'm gonna have fun with them. But you're like the most melancholic person in the world. It's like, and you're gonna be like playing the, the saddest music on the way there. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, you'll get to Disneyland and you're, you're gonna be like, oh man, all the games are so expensive. And you know, it's like, 
I'm just gonna sit down at the hot dog and all the children are there just eating their food and he's like, mom, can we go to the place? Nah, no, nah, it's too tired. I didn't... <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to be aware of that and realize maybe I'm not the person for this particular job or I have to really exaggerate things. You know, I have to really exaggerate it and, and go crazy with them so that, and for example, with the border boys, sometimes I would do that. I remember feeling, as I said, sometimes really tired and, and like, I don't want to do anything. But I saw them sad or I would saw them bored and I'd be like, okay, let's go out and, and have fun. And I would put some music in the car and it would do crazy things and, and sometimes very crazy things. And, and, and we would have fun, but I had to really pull it out of myself to, to make it happen. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's something that you want to take into consideration. Now, this talk is going to be short, hopefully. I, I'm planning on maybe 10 or 15 minutes more. In the ambience in your house, the, the atmosphere that you want to procure in your house, you have to have those two aspects that I mentioned, is, you know, the, pre, the other priest and myself. On the one side, you want to have order and discipline, and you want to have cheerfulness. Order and discipline is necessary. I know that you guys all know this, you know, most of you have done your job already, but for the young mothers that might be watching, order and discipline is absolutely necessary in your house, even for your children to be mentally healthy. Uh, they need that. They need to know what's going to happen. They need to know what are the consequences. They need to know what they need to do in the room, things like that. I remember one time when I was teaching seventh and eighth grade, there was a period of three or four days, it was like during Christmas time or something like that, that I kind of messed the schedule a lot because I had, the, I had charge of the whole day. So I was trying to be, you know, happy. And I was moving the schedule a lot and I was like, we're going to do this, we're going to go to that, we're going to run away and, and, and we're going to run, uh, you know, a race and things like that. And at one point, one of the children came and said to me, uh, this is too much. You know, I mean, I, I want to know what's going to happen in the, in the, during the day. I want to... I mean, I feel like I'm stressed out. And I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. You know, they need their schedule. So you need to have that thing of, you know, we wake up at this time, we go to sleep at this time, we pray the rosary at this time. You have to do these chores are the ones that you need to do. These are the punishments that you get if you don't do them very specifically. That's the order. And that has to be there all the time. To keep that order and to have them do it happily, you need the other side, the cheerful side, the lightheartedness and joy. You need to have those two. Now, for example, I'll give you an example of this. You know, your child does something that is wrong and you punish him. You can do that with a light heart. You know, you can do that like almost making fun of it. Yeah, you, you did this. You get punished now, you get against bang, whatever. But you need to have that time. Um, just that, like in religious life, they set a time for fun, and that time is a rule. You have to do it in the same way in your personal life, whether it be you and your family, you have to have a time set for fun, set for recreation. Now, if, if you're very busy, you know, for example, my case, uh, you might be very, very busy and you don't have a lot of time to do something huge, but you have to say to yourself at least 5, 20, 30 minutes I'm gonna give to myself to do something that is, that is really going to cheer me up. And the same applies for your family. You have to say for your children, I'm going to give this time and I'm going to make an effort to have them have fun, that they have to have fun. This is a part that I wasn't going to say, but 
uh, my thing is singing because it, it's kind of hard to go and on a hike, you know, for three hours. I can't do that. One time I went on a hike here near, near Denver and I was like 45 minutes into it. I don't know if I've told you this story before. I'm walking into the mountains and I get service and then I get a message. So-and-so is dying. I'm not fit. I'm just running back <laughs> with my collar and everything and people are running back and they just see the priest going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like crazy. I wonder if someone thought that there maybe there was some mountain lion or something because I was like running really fast. <clears throat> so I, sometimes I can't take that luxury, but sometimes what I do is, okay, I'll take 15, 20 minutes and I'm just gonna go and sing, you know? And I think one of the times, uh, I always have to wait until the sisters are gone, obviously. <laughs> and one of the times I think I was singing very loudly in my room and then I come out and it's like, see the sister walking by. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not sure if they listen, but uh, it's happened. So for yourself, if you're really busy, try to have fun that is quick, that is effective, that is going to work. And this is a very important part. Quick, effective, and that gives you personal growth. Meaning that it actually does something good for you. This is very, very important. Why? Because a lot of times a mother will be tired and she'll say, oh, I need these 15 minutes of rest. I'm going to sit down and watch YouTube videos or Facebook. It's like, oh, no, that's not going to help at all. That's like, you know, you're, you're hungry and you go eat McDonald's. You're going to feel horrible. <clears throat> so it has to be something that causes some personal growth. You know, again, singing, even some form, form, some form of dancing is okay. Um, sewing, whatever it might be. And I'm going to say something that is going to sound kind of weird right now. Some people might say, well, I like to pray. That's good. It's good to pray. But you have to make sure that you come out of it with that relaxation of the mind. There's a story that they say of St. John the Apostle. Raise your hands if you know it. The story of St. John the Apostle and recreation. No? Okay. So they say that St. John the Apostle was in the forest and he was just petting a bird. And this hunter came back and he, he said like... Oh, are you, are you that guy, you know, John? And he said, uh, what do you mean? Are you John the Apostle? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's me. And the hunter was like, well, this is a fraud. I mean, you're supposed to be the big contemplative, you know, the last disciple of Jesus Christ and, and you know, the guy that wrote the last gospel and, and here you're petting a bird, wasting your time. And St. John, you know, being as meek as he was by then, he looked back to him and he said, stretch your bow. So he went, okay. Why don't you keep it like that all the time while you're hunting? That'd be easier for you to shoot. And he said, no, well, if I keep the bow stretched, it's going to lose tension. And so when I shoot, it's not going to be as hard as I want it to be. And St. John said to him, well, for the same reason, that sometimes I need to lose that tension, that spiritual tension, in order that when I want to pray, my arrows go stronger. I was like, oh, that's a story that you always hear. So you have to have a recreation that is going to be like that. It's going to release the tension in you. <clears throat> I'm almost done. I just want to, to say a few points about how you should procure recreation to your household. The first one is, as I said, they have to have a daily dose. Especially if you have children or, or young people, you have to procure for them fun daily. And at a certain time, whatever time, you, but you have to say, okay, this time for you is you get, for you guys to have fun. We have to do something 
or I have to make sure that they're doing something. Based on the same principles, it's like video games, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's not gonna help very much. I know that that's difficult. You know, I wouldn't wish to be in that position. But uh, as much as they love video games, you know that they're gonna come out of it more stressed, more tired, it's not gonna grow. So when you have the children young and you can still control that, you want to allow them and show them how to have fun in other ways. The other thing, I mean, any questions so far? No? Okay, I'm almost done. The other thing is, this actually requires some effort and planning for you as a mother. You know, when you're procuring for someone else to have fun, it actually requires a lot of effort and planning. Uh, one of the things that I was most terrified of was having to entertain the Border Boys. Because it was like, man, what am I going to do today? It's just, it just, I take them playing soccer. And at one point they're like, ah, we're tired of soccer. Okay, let's go play football. Oh, we're tired of football. Okay. Uh, let's go walk in the park. Oh, that's so boring. Okay, let's go walk in the park and then climb on the, on the fences. Okay, well, that's a crime. But <laughs> 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 that's how you go down the hill. Uh, but you see what I mean? It actually takes time because your goal is not just to, to take them anywhere. Your goal is they have to have fun. And so that actually takes effort. You should not be listening to this talk. You're going to have a lot of information that you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's like, Mom, Father said. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can only do as much as you can. You know, so I know that is difficult sometimes. Um, here's some, the other point that I wanted to make. Bad emotions are not a reason to cancel fun. That's a very important one because sometimes this happened to me a couple of times where I would take the boys. And there was this boy that I was just like, because he would be like negative, 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 negative. And I'd be like, you know what? I was wanting to say what St. Teresa said, is go lock yourself in your room and we're going to go and have fun. No, on the contrary, you have to come with us and you're going to have fun and I'm going to see you smile. And I don't care if you're coming with us and you're dragging yourself all the way, I'm forcing you to have fun with us. And not angry, I would try not to be angry, try. But uh, yeah, that's what you do. So if there is bad emotions in yourself or in the people that you're forcing to have fun, forcing, quote unquote, that's not a reason to cancel. That has to be done. We have to have this recreation time. And eventually, <clears throat> if you're healthy about it, if you don't have hard feelings, if you're not, you know, like uh, bitter yourself, they will come around. You know, they, they, because at one point, for example, it would happen with me, I would take the boys and all the other boys are trying to have fun and eventually this guy realizes I'm the crazy one. I'm the one that is doing crazy things. So I'm just going to change and I'll be having fun with everyone else. So if there is bad emotions, don't cancel. <clears throat> Another point. Having fun can be connected to religion and should be connected to religion. This is one mistake that parents do a lot. And I told you about this before where you know, the children are having fun and they're playing outside in the yard and you go like, hey, stop having fun and being happy. Come down and pray the rosary. It's like, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> feel miserable. Uh, <laughs> and it's a very big mistake in parents to say, 
okay, it's time to stop having fun. Now we have to do religious stuff. No, they're not disconnected. It's actually kind of in the same place. It's happiness, happiness in religion and happiness in having fun. So it's a very different thing to go and say that than to go and say, hey boys, you've had fun. That's a very good thing. We should go and pray the rosary before it's too late. Then you can have more fun. It changes the whole message in your child's mind, right? Uh, and this is something that I've said before too. When you're going to bring them to pray the rosary or to go to mass, to say, we're going to go to mass and then we're going to go to the park. We're going to pray the rosary and then we're going to have dinner. We're going to do this. It's like the preamble of happiness. And that's how it should be. It should always be connected to happiness one way or another. <clears throat> I've already mentioned that it is an act of charity. But I just want to emphasize that a little bit more. Because having fun is an act of charity that you're doing. You are not the priority. The priority is the other people. There is two, two kinds. One is where you have to relax yourself. We've talked about that, right? Like when father goes and sings in his room. But I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but then the other side is when you're trying to give that fun to your family, and then you are not the priority anymore. And it might take, actually, you're, you're denied there. And that's what would happen with me and the boys. I was not having fun a lot of the times. My job was for them to have fun. As a mother, often it will happen that your job is for the others to have fun, and you're working. It's part of the toil. And so, for example, you might go out camping. And all the camping trip for you was a total, like, you know, you came out as stressed as if you had been in a war zone. It's like, where are the shoes? Where are this? You put out the fire. It's like, what are you doing petting that bear? <laughs> all this thing. And, and at the end of it, you're like, oh, I need vacations. <clears throat> I'm a little bit too graphic, I think. Uh, that's okay, that's normal. A, a, a lot of times mothers will come back frustrated or they will go through that and be frustrated because they say, I didn't have fun. Well, to be honest, that wasn't the point. You know, I mean, you should have a part where you have fun too, yourself. But a lot of times as a mother, when you're doing things as a family, your job and your husband's job is to have the children have fun and, and enjoy themselves and whatever. And that's gonna mean that you don't get a lot of it. Does that make sense? No, everybody's like, yes, I do, <laughs> I know. Uh, but knowing that is a great relief because otherwise people feel, well, this is unjust. It was unjust for me because I didn't get it. No, no, that, 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 that's how it's supposed to be. Nobody gets it. When you're a mother or a father, nobody gets it. That's how it always goes. So, but at the same time, try to make a little time for yourself at least. Okay, the question comes, there's two more, two more points and then we're finishing, or in the way to finish. What can they do and what can they not do? That's a very uh, question that always comes up with parents. You know, for example, one, one that, is, uh, that frequently comes is, uh, can they listen to that music? Can they, can they dance at all? Can they do all these things? Or can they play music with guitars or whatever? And here, I'll give you a broad principle to not get in trouble. What St. John Bosco said, if it's not something that is sinful, then it's okay to do it. Okay, if it's something that I'm not, not even venially or mortally sinful, but it might, sometimes it might be something that you find yourself 
ashamed of. You know, for example, if, if someone comes, let's say that one of your daughters or, or sons is doing ball dancing by himself, you know, totally safe, there's no risk of anything, but uh, maybe the girl likes to do waltz in her room. And if you're talking with other traditional Catholic families, that might be embarrassing for you. You know, oh, what do you mean your daughter is dancing? No, no, if it's not a sin, it's not wrong. Does that make sense? And so this is very important for us as Catholics that if it's not a sin, it's not wrong. If we're listening to music that is not classical music or choir music, but it's not music that is sinful, it doesn't have any bad words in it, the rhythm is not bad, uh, the message is not bad, even if it's quote-unquote worldly music, but again, there's nothing wrong with it, well, there's nothing wrong with it. And then the children can listen to it. Does that make sense? Now, this is a very thorny place because some people might say, well, Father is allowing this music. No, no. Music is a whole different ground. Dancing is a whole different ground. It's very, very difficult and thorny. But you know, you all know that St. Francis de Sales allowed dancing. He said some dancing is okay. King David danced. St. Teresa danced. St. Teresa of Avila would dance in the convent. Uh, but it's a very specific form of dancing. There's nothing, you know, there are no couples or, or you know, there's nothing of the stuff that goes on today. The point to, make, to be made is, that's what you look at. You say to yourself, okay, is this sinful in any way, you know, venially or mortally? Then I should probably try to get rid of it. Or in, cases, in some cases, I have to get rid of it. If it's not sinful, even if it's kind of embarrassing to me, or it's, if it's kind of, you know, something that I'm not used to, it's okay, they can do it. Does that make sense? You, in, in any case, it's always a good idea to ask the priest if you want to. And finally, the last point is this. Instill in your children the custom to give thanks to you for the times of fun. This is very, very important. Show them after you've come from a hike or from a trip or whatever, or, or you went to bowling or whatever, they come back and, and you have to tell them, okay, say, everybody say, thank you, mom, thank you, dad, for, for taking us bowling or this or that. I would do that with the boys. I would take them and, and I would, sometimes I would lock the door, the door and I'd say, nobody leaves until you say, thank you, father, or thank you, Reverend Cepeda. Why is this important? For two reasons. First, because by doing that, you make it clear to them, this, this period of time has ended. We have fun up to here, and, and we are going to continue to have fun in other ways. But here we ended, and now we go back to our duties. And so that's a good way to kind of like subliminally, you should not be listening to this. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> subliminally put into their heads, okay, now it's time to go back to your chores. But also, it shows them that you are putting effort into that, and they'll appreciate that as well. Any questions so far? Okay, we'll go into the conclusion. Um, what are some things that you can do? Uh, something that I've, we've, we've done in the past, you know, we would do bonfires with the kids, we would sing together, uh, play board games, singing is a very good one. Uh, dancing, as I say, is, is, a, is a delicate one. I would not introduce that unless it's been introduced before, if you know what I mean. I would not go and show my children how to dance. But if they start dancing or that comes up, then you have to canalize, channel, channel that? Is that how you say it? You have to channel it and move it in such a way that it's not bad for them. And so 
but there's other things like that that you can do. Uh, there's one game that I really like. I don't know if you've played it. I was going to play it today, but we don't have time. Um, it's called Salad Bowl. Have you ever played Salad Bowl? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's super fun. We have to play it one of these days. Part of the thing, actually, of Christian mothers is we're supposed to have fun after the meeting. Uh, but it, the meeting is fun enough, so I don't do it. Uh, <laughs> that Salad Bowl, what you do is, it's kind of like charades. You put a paper and you write down the, the thing in the paper and they have to, to act it and the team has to guess it. Oh, it's super fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can already see it. But we would do, you know, we would play that in the seminary sometimes or with families and, and we would do crazy things. Someone would put like, you know, quantum theory. How do you act quantum theory? Or, you know, uh, really crazy things. Doing random drives, you know, with your kids, just saying, okay, we're going to go to the, where? I don't know, somewhere. Or, you know, going bowling or some other sports. And I'll tell you something uh, while we're on this, on this topic, on the last one. It will happen at times that you will get very, very discouraged. And I had that. Because you go to your children and you go like, we're going to have fun. And they go like, ah, buzz off. And, you know, hopefully they don't do that. <laughs> Whack. <laughs> but that can happen. Where they say, no, I don't have fun with you, this and that. And they just totally throw you down. And you're like, and, and, and you just have to continue and persevere and say, no, we're going to go out. And, and, you know, you better have fun because you're going to be with me for two hours. So uh, that's, that's what it is. Don't let that bring you down. When you have children, like teenagers and young children, don't let them get away with it. That's very important because they'll, they know that if they bring you down like that, you won't insist and you'll leave them playing video games. And so the answer to that is saying, well, guess what? You're going to come out and get bored with me. But it's happening for sure. We're going out. And you, you get to choose where you want to go if you want to. You know, I'll go to crazy places with you. I'll go to that jumping, trampling thing if you want. But you're coming out with me. That's what's happening. And that forces them also to be social. Okay, to finish. As the children grow up, there is one other thing that we need to do. We need to give them social circles. And I've talked about this before, but I just want to mention it again. That is one of the most difficult duties that you have as parents. Thankfully, here we have a large parish. We have a lot of people in the parish. We have more room to do it. But it, this is crucial for your children as they become teenagers. You have to give them social circles. And sometimes that's your job as the parent to do. Uh, it's a project that has been in my head to do these kind of things. But you can imagine what kind of troubles father would get into. If I say, we're going to get all the children together over here and we're going to sing a, in a bonfire song and someone brings up a song from Justin Bieber or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know who that, I mean, I don't even know what songs he has, but that'd be like, ah, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> call, call the traditional police. <laughs> <laughs> For a priest, sometimes it gets very complicated. And that's the reason why I've held back. I want to do it, but it's hard for me to plan it. How do I bring the kids and the boys, for example, and the girls, and make sure that everything is safe and make sure that everybody is dressed modestly. What if someone comes dressed immodestly? Do I just kick her out? You can see all the troubles that I have. But you as a parent, what I would do if I had a 15, 16 year old, I would come to the church and I would say, we're having a party this next week in my house. And, and it's not going to be a party like, uh, you know, we're getting together and we're going to make a procession in my house. No, it's a party. It's an actual party. 
and, and all the kids can come over and, and there'll be pizza and there'll be soda and you know you guys can get to watch a movie, whatever you want. The point is, I need my children to have a social life. I need my children to make friends while I supervise them. And that's why I'm making a party in my house and I'm dealing with the mess and I'm dealing with the moms and the dads and I'm dealing with the toil, the, excuse me, the work and the toil, but I'm giving them a social life. That's something that the Christian mothers should be doing. That's part of your job too, to try to procure that. And so among you, there should be leaders that say, we're gonna start doing this, we're gonna start doing that, we're gonna take the children bowling, we're gonna do this and that. Is it a lot of work? Yes. Is it a lot of sacrifice? Yes. But that's how you save the lives of the souls of your children. Does that make sense? So I wanna hear about parties in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> okay, I'll finish with this. These are the words from the Psalm that you know the, the priest would tell us. He would say, Servite Domino in Leticia. Serve the Lord with joy. As I say again, it's a virtue. If we want to go to heaven, we have to do it joyfully, cheerfully. And so this one, we might not be able to do it, but the next Christian mothers, we're gonna play a game after the Christian mothers uh, thing. This is when the next, the next time I just get like five people coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll play salad bowl, I think. The men, it would be really interesting to have the men play actually that I was thinking about that too but anyways we'll do that okay if there is no more questions or comments yes that is a good question yeah yeah I'm so glad you asked that because that is actually a, a very good point I live alone and I have to make an ambience for myself and I have to make sure that I'm happy and I have to make sure that I don't let that, that happen. And, and that can be in any way because every person is different. But that's why, for example, for myself, uh, I do that. Like I, I'll be monitoring myself and I, because I'm, you know, I'm a priest, I have to work. And there are times where I see the, I see the feelings go down. You know, I start seeing, seeing okay, anger growing or, or fear growing or sadness growing and I have to go like, okay, time to pull back, do a U-turn, go and have fun, go and change the ambience for yourself immediately. And not, as, I said, as I said at the beginning, you control it and you change it immediately. And when you're alone, you have the same duty that if you have a family of eight because you still have to serve God your, yourself individually. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. The priest, you see a lot of priests having their dogs. But for example, why do you think the bishop has his dog? I don't think he likes to have one pound of hair in his, <laughs> in his, in his city. Yeah, that's a problem, but, but he has the dog because the dog keeps him balanced in that sense. You know, the dog keeps him company. I mean, we just drove, helped drove, drive the bishop. He drove eight hours to, to meet a person to confirm in an emergency. We drove him three hours, he slept, and then he drove seven hours. When you're doing that, your mind can play tricks on you. Having the dog helps. So it can be a, it can be a pet, it can be singing, it can be many form, but the point for people that live alone and for couples that live, for example, that their children have left, is we have the duty to have fun, which is something that most of the times we don't think. We have the duty, and have fun, I mean, in, the, in their religious way, 
We have the duty to recreate. We have the duty to bring cheerfulness into our lives for the love of God and for the love of ourselves. Yes. Uh, I'll put words in your mouth. <laughs> I, I search for this because one of the things I know brings joy to children is they have to serve. And so I, just like you were saying, it's important for children to mm -hmm. have social circles. I also feel it's important for create opportunities for the elderly to have social circles. So maybe that's something that can be addressed. I know it's in the bulletin. Mm -hmm. We have some housebound people that I try to visit, but <clears throat> getting to that point of getting to their house, there's no connection. Like, how do you call this person? Do they like food? Are they on a diet? But I do feel like in traditional circles, as I see the elderly and my daughter works with them, they're a very neglected part mm -hmm. of So maybe that is something like you're saying that can be addressed just as a dog. Because just like somebody can go and visit some of these elderly who can't get out of their homes or had my kids play games with the elderly. But that could be something that could be addressed, not just being alone, but as a community now that point is also very interesting i was actually hoping to this year to put a list together of acts of charity that people can do like specific like visiting so and so and visiting so and so and uh and then have ladies volunteer to do it because that is something that can be done on that on that point i'll make a story or i'll say a story i'll make up a story no i'll say it <laughs> there was this time i was in omaha i was a seminarian and it was Christmas, and nobody invited me for Christmas. Which in my case, I was like, sort of okay at first. And then as the day progressed, I realized I was alone during Christmas, and I was kind of like <laughs> getting bummed. And I did what you're talking about. I said to myself, okay, I cannot be like this. I need to be happy. What do I do? I thought of an elderly guy from the parish that I was sure was going to be alone. And I said to myself, well, I'm going to go and help him. I'm going to go and spend the day with him. So there I go, his name, he's passed away now, may he rest in peace. Very thankful with him because we were really good friends. His name was Don, Don Byerman. And I went and spent the day with him and we were like having beer and eating pizza in his house. And you know, he was showing me all his movies and, and we're just like talking like the good old friends from forever. And I, I would have kept visiting him, but COVID hit and then I was forbidden to go see him. But yeah, that's something that we can do. And, and for example, if one, if a person is alone, one should be doing acts of charity to other people because that really fills up your life, if you can, if it's possible. So I hope that solves that question. It's a, it's a good, very good point to make. And if, is there any other one? No? Okay, let's go ahead and say our prayers. <clears throat> We're in page 14, the second paragraph. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Jesus, eternal word of the Father, thou hast said, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. We thank thee for allowing us to listen once more to the words of spiritual instruction. Assist us by thy grace carefully to preserve them, and devoutly to live according to their holy teaching, that we may thus become pleasing to thee in this world, and enjoy thee eternally in the next. For with the Father and the Holy Ghost, livest and reignest, one God, world without end. Amen. Prayer of the Arch Confraternity, O Mary, Immaculate Virgin and Sorrowful Mother, intercede for our children with the divine heart of Jesus, thy Son, who refuses nothing to his mother. Holy Guardian Angels, Saint Joachim, Saint John, much beloved precursor of our Lord, 
St. Joseph, powerful patron, St. Augustine, St. Anne, mother of the Blessed Virgin, St. Rose of Lima, St. Monica, all ye holy fathers and mothers, all ye holy children, amen. Prayer, O God, who has given us some of the blessed in heaven as special patrons, grant in thy mercy that we and our children, through the merits of the same and of all thy saints, may receive the help of which we stand in need and practice the virtues taught us by their example. May we, O Lord, through the honor we pay them, become worthy of thy good pleasure and share in their powerful intercession through Christ our Lord. Let us pray for the deceased members of the confraternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. Amen. Let us pray for the grace of a happy death for that member of the confraternity who will be the next to die. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Let us pray for the intentions especially recommended to our prayers. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Let us pray for the intentions of all the members of the confraternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let us pray. O sweet Lord Jesus Christ, for the love of thy most sacred heart, we beseech thee to have pity upon all whom we have recommended to thy mercy, and to aid them with thy grace who livest and reignest with God the Father and the Holy Ghost forever and ever. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, The prayer for children. Look, O most holy mother of our Lord, upon the great number of children, who through the fault and negligence of their parents strain the path of iniquity and vice. Have mercy on so many poor young souls, might be saved, but who will not, either because their mothers are ignorant of their duties or unwilling to fulfill them. Remember the bitter passion and cruel death endured by thy divine Son for those poor children. Permit not that his great love, his infinite merits, be lost to them. For the sake of that keenest of all sorts that pierced thy tender heart when you stood at the foot of the cross, Obtain for those erring mothers the grace of their vocation. Obtain likewise for their children the spirit of obedience and grateful love, that the desires of the sweet heart of Jesus may be fulfilled by both parents and children. Amen. Prayer for the Arch Confraternity. O glorious Queen of heaven and earth, thou art the chosen patroness of all Christian mothers. Bless then the Arch Confraternity. May it spread far and wide. Obtain, we beseech thee, that all mothers may seek protection in its bosom, and under its guidance become perfectly what thou would have them and what they ought to be, truly Christian mothers, thy name images and worthy representatives with their children. O thou most pure, most compassionate mother of the divine Savior, and of all the children of the heavenly Father, who have been regenerated in the holy sacrament of baptism. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. 
O Mary, my mother, to thee do I flee. Thy heart is so gentle, so loving, so mild. O Mary, my mother, I'm longing to see. That heaven of glory is so purely thine own. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'll give you a blessing if you stay kneeling. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Fili et Spiritus Santi, descendat super vos, et maniat semper. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org. You are listening to The Catholic Wire.